Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Lecture 12, Luke 1, 1 through 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 9. The gospel was already being taught. Let me um, <clears throat> open up in prayer. I just, just feel like praying. It's always an order. God, thank you for those who gather in your name, regardless of um, the earthly reward or any earthly recognition. Just thank you, Lord, because you've done these things well. And we appreciate you because you don't have to use us, but you do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Well, we're still going through our uh, gospel thing, like what if, that's the name of it, what if. And so the, the, I guess the subtitle under it would be, what's the message of the New Testament if it only uh, contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And so this is week 11. And, and, and uh, you bring it up here. This is week 11. And so you're definitely going to uh, enjoy Week 11, because now I'm going to answer like a big bulk of the question flat out. So we're going to be in two different scriptures. So we did five in Mark, uh, uh, excuse me, five in Matthew, five in Mark, and now we're entering to Luke. 
So let's look at, and this is, this is going to be completely exegetical today. Let us look at exegetical, meaning uh, ex, Greek uh, prefix, meaning out, exodus, out of. Yeah, yeah, so ex, exegetical, out of the jetic, <laughs> out of the text, basically. And so let us look at Luke chapter 1, and I want to read verses 1 through 4. And I want to need a full, pretty cool 30 minutes. And then I'm going to have you flip here in a little bit because I'm going to spend most of my time in something a bit different. And then we'll, bring, we'll come back to Luke again. Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 1 through 4. Let me read it, and then we will break a few things down. Inasmuch, and this is the English Standard Version, whatever version you have, uh, just thank you for reading God's Word. King James is the most beautiful sounding Bible of all time, I promise you that. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of these things, of, of things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, we have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainly concerning the things that you have been taught. So that, that ends this reading. We're coming back here. I want, I want to, let's, let's just make this make sense a little bit. Luke is telling you he is not an eyewitness, not an eyewitness like one of the 12. He is, um, he, if you look at verse 2, he says, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning. So Luke is saying, I'm, I'm gathering an account of all things. There's, people have been talking, things have been written, and I want to give to you an accurate account of what is being talked about and what has been written about as well. And so this is Luke, and he's telling you this up front. Luke is telling you, I, listen, oh, most excellent Theophilus, whoever this is, and we kind of cover this in Acts, and I, and I, I don't want to jump into who Theophilus is or may be or anything like that. However, for certain, Luke is saying, I wasn't there the whole time. As a matter of fact, in Acts, he'll tell you, now, I'm on the scene now, but I wasn't there in the beginning. But all things considered, everything written, everything said, I have compiled a wonderful written note, which would we now know as the uh, Greek would say, uh, kata lukin, which is according to Luke, right? That's Greek, but uh, this gospel according to Luke. And so basically, Luke says, I am writing down to you what I've heard, what I've researched, what is historically a fact about what I'm about to talk about, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, So let me read that again now, and I want you to hear me. I want you to hear what I'm about to read through the lens and what I just told you. So now that you're hearing, I want you to hear, when I read now, I want you to hear it as Luke saying, listen, I've done some research, and here's what I'm about to do. So let's read it again and see if you can catch it now. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those 
who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Okay, does that make sense now? Okay, amen. So, so what is this? We're getting ready to journey into, uh, matter of fact, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to do 1 through 9 here in a second. Just go ahead and go there, and then we're going to come back to Luke. And so here's what we're, here's what we're postulating. Here's the, here, here is the, 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 the thesis, rather a, a weak one, but an intriguing one. What would be the message of the New Testament if it only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Powerful, powerful question. So powerful that if I've done nothing else for the last 11 weeks or 10 weeks prior, and now this is the 11th, it's shown you that you can't just say what the gospel is and be done with it in two seconds. The gospel is so meaty, so profound that it takes you more than to just say death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, you, you cannot explain what the gospel, if I were to explain to you what, the, if you were to ask me, pastor, what's the gospel? If I have to give you a full, accurate explanation of what the gospel is, my next accurate question to you, an honest question to you would be, how much time do you have? Do you have a good 15 minutes for me to tell you about the amazing details of what the gospel actually is? So it's been, this, this, this is 11 weeks in the making in which we have discovered it may be this. Well, no, it's not, not, it, it is this. It is also this. It is also this. It is also this. We've done this 10 different times. This, 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 this. And I'm not done because I got to do it 10 more times. And so basically, what is this message? If you've ever wondered, like me, I'm a very inquisitive person and I have an engineer's mindset. Maybe that's why our son, um, talking to my wife, has our youngest son seems to be, he has a great engineering mindset. He loves building blocks and Legos and things. And so I wondered freshman year, um, absolutely like one of the first days in, in school at Houston Baptist University, I wondered, what was God doing with the Bible? Like, what's the point? Like, if you can... Professor, can you, uh, can you tell me what God is actually doing? If you're saying it's not this, like, what is, what is his mission? And, of course, he gave me a, a wonderful book to read. Uh, it's called The Mission of God. I forget who wrote it, but it's, it's a wonderful, renowned scholar. But here's the deal. God is doing more than just sending you to heaven. Like, and and, and if, I, if it is my prayer, uh, it gets so frustrating when I think about it. It is my it is my prayer that your theology changes from just heaven. That is, if it's just heaven, then you miss the great earth. If, if, if it's just heaven, then you don't tithe. If, if it's just heaven, you don't help your pastor. You, don't, you, you, you do hate 
Republicans if you're Democrat. You brought this up earlier. You, you do hate uh, vice versa, right? You do hate Democrats if you're Republican. If it's just about heaven, then we miss what God is doing now. And then we also miss his plan, how we even got to now. And then we also miss his plan before now ever happened. And so there's so many different things happening. And so now the question must be asked again in great repetition. What is the message of the New Testament? If it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, this is a powerful question. Because, and here's why the question is so powerful. Because if I ask you what's the message of the New Testament, you're going to say salvation. You would be absolutely correct. That, that's just, that, is, that is absolutely correct. I, nobody can argue with that. Of course, then I would say, well, what is salvation? Now you have a harder time answering that question. But surely you would be correct. You say, what's the, message of the, what's the point of the Bible? To save us. Okay, well, that's still salvation. But yeah. But now, but now you have to think about it even more uh, accurately. Who is the us? Is, is salvation an individual thing? Is it, is it just for Reverend Ray Jew? Is it just for Pastor Temple? Is it just for Lady Monique? Is it just individuals? It, it is, when you think about salvation... How are you thinking about salvation? Is it save me so I can enter in? That's not wrong. That's just part of the story. Because in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, God told Abraham, listen, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save your family, and I'm going to make you a great nation, but I'm going to have all nations be saved through your nation. So now we have all nations. So if we truly believed in the Bible, then we wouldn't have so much racism in the manner in which we do today. When, when, I mean, when you think about it, when, 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 you, when you honestly ask yourself the question, what's the point of the New Testament? What is it? What, what is the point of the New Testament? If you have a racist start in your body, you're missing what God has tried to do. And so, we, and so therefore, we, we can't keep disagreeing the way we do. <clears throat> we can't keep going to war the way we do. We can't keep hating another demographic the way we do. We can't have so many stereotypes the way we do. And we can't hate one another. When God says, my plan is for all the one another's. And it's, it's very profound inside the New Testament. It's, and it's definitely here in the gospel. And so Luke is saying, listen, there is, I know the message. I'm going to give you, oh, Theophilus, whoever this, uh, most excellent Theophilus, whoever this Theophilus is. Listen, you've been taught something. You have heard something. And Everybody else has been talking about it, so I figured I'll be a scholar of what's been taught, written about, and what you've heard, and I will compile all these things into one place, and I will give you that gospel. Now, that's powerful. That is enormously powerful. So, so you stay in 1 Corinthians. And then let me read Luke. Don't, don't, don't move. Let you stay in first Corinthians. Let me just read Luke again because I have to go. To, I'm tying this in all to make sense. Listen. So now I told you how to listen to it again. Now listen to after all I just said. Now listen to Luke again. 
inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative, a story, inasmuch as everybody out here, all these people have tried to, to tell you what's going on, these things have, and, and the things that have been accomplished by many of us, just as those who were from the beginning and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seems, it just seems to me, this is what Luke said, it seems to me also, having followed these things pretty closely, to write an orderly account for you. Does, does everybody see that? I am attempting to compile and to write everything you've been taught, everything that has been taught. Not, not just what you've been taught, but you may have missed some things. So in all things that have been taught by those who were eyewitnesses and those who ministered, I need for you to let me compile one narrative for you so you can see. So the early church takes four writers and they never call it the Gospels as we do. If you really, if you look at your Bible, it actually says the gospel according to, and then it says somebody else. This is, a, this, this, it, it says the gospel according to Matthew, according to. So this is saying these guys in the very words, they're not saying there's four different gospels. They're saying they're one gospel according to who is, who's writing in the particular time which you're reading, right? Whether it be Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Now, let us go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hear me, hear me well. I, do, I don't ever, I, I find it grossly irresponsible for, most, for the church in most cases to read the Gospels through the lens of Paul. I, I find this inappropriate because what you start doing is you start reading justification by faith inside, which is not the only thing Paul said, but it's a staple thing of what Paul said, inside the gospel. And the gospels have very, nothing, absolutely nothing. to be. I can honestly tell you nothing about justification by faith is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. This, remember I told you, only one time is the word justified used. It is in the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, and the Pharisee is saying, thank you, God, like Pastor Timber said earlier, for making me. And the, and the Pharisee, the tax collector is like, oh, I'm such a rich man. Lord, have mercy on me. And then Jesus Christ says, I tell you, verily, I tell you, only one is justified this day. It's the only time is justification. So I, I, it's inappropriate, in my personal opinion, a lot of people's opinions, um, it's, it's, it's exegetically inappropriate to take Paul and then read everything through the Gospels through the lens of Paul. But today, I need you to do that because I'm going to answer a very powerful question for you. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. At no point does Paul say anything different than Jesus Christ. I, I need you to understand that. Okay, amen. I, I need you to understand that. I will definitely tell us that we don't fully understand Paul the way we should. And therefore, we read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and we better understand that too, and we just mess everything up. This is why 
we got wars and racism and all sorts of stuff like this here, such and such and so and so. So, the title for today, and I had to do all this here just to tell you, is the gospel was already being preached. This is important. This is, I need you, to, from now on, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I need for you to understand that this is not the first time that the readers who would have picked up their scrolls and read the scroll of Matthew or Luke's community that would have read the scroll of Luke, this is not the first time they've been exposed to the gospel. This is why I spent so much time telling you about what Luke said. Listen, Mr. Most Excellent Theophilus, and what you've already been hearing, right? That's why I spent so much time there. What, you've, what has already been written by so many different people, I need for you to allow me to compile what has already been preached. This is important because the dates you have. The, so so if, if Jesus, Jesus was we have historical evidence for this because because Romans wrote things down. Um, it is a historical fact that a man named Jesus Christ, who was from Nazareth, who was of Hebrew descent, lived and died on planet Earth. It is a historical fact. We have this written down. This this is history. No one could disprove that. What you have to argue about, not us as Christians, is did he rise again? That there's the argument. Like nobody's like people would people would agree with you up until the tomb being empty. They'll walk with you every single way. They'll, they'll tell you, they can hate Christianity, hate religion, but they'll tell you, well, that Jesus Christ was a nice guy. I wish everybody would act like that. Amen, right? People will walk with you all the way to the empty tomb, and that's where everybody scatters after that. So this is historical. And Paul, excuse me, Luke is saying, this is historically happening, so let me give you a historical account of what has occurred. Make sense? Okay, okay. So from now on, I want you to understand that every time you pick up the gospel, every time a pastor tells you, would you please go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? I need you to understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had already been being preached. Not the words itself, but there was a gospel already being preached. And these guys capture what's being preached, and then they write it down. But before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John ever wrote, what is also historical is Paul was already writing and was already doing missionary work. And so if Jesus Christ died, was born between 6 and 4 AD, I mean uh, BC, this is, this is historical. We know it. We, don't, we can't pinpoint it because the Bible says that Herod tried to kill two-year-olds and below. So we had, that's why we have this two-year gap. He, he didn't say one-year-olds, or he didn't say 27 days. If he did that, then we can pinpoint it. So we, that's why it's between 4 and 6, or say accurately, 6 and 4 B.C. is when we know Jesus, which means Jesus died about 28 and 30 A.D. So therefore, Paul starts his missionary journey about 32 A.D. Now, we can disagree with a few years, but nobody's going even any further than 32, 33, no further than 34. Paul, the, the Gospels, the first Gospel doesn't even start getting written until about 60 to 70 A.D. Okay, this is all historical evidence. So what I'm telling you is Paul was already writing before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is why Luke has to say, listen, Mr. Most Excellent Theophilus, in all these things you've been hearing thus far, 
I need for you to understand. Let me compile what is already there. See, when Jesus Christ said, Peter, upon you, I shall build my very church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus didn't say, but wait 70 years until the gospel's written. That's not how that works. You see what I'm saying? But we think this instinctively because we're so far behind the actual events. We just think these guys, you know, had scriptures. No. Jesus said it. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Paul started working. Amen. And Paul had to preach something. Amen. And he didn't get to preach Matthew. Nor did he get to preach Mark, Luke, or John. They didn't exist. Not the people, but the books themselves. Right? This didn't exist. So this is why, this is why I tell you I, hate, I have a problem when you take Paul and you read it through the Gospels. Because Paul is already writing. And Paul's already preaching what he says the Gospel is. Before the Gospel, as you know it, exists. There's a reason why we so let's read what Paul says about the God. This is amazing. Let's 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 do this here. First Corinthians 15 chapter. This is the heart of what the gospel is. It is proving that there was already a gospel, that there was already a gospel culture and people were already preaching said gospel and that gospel was working and changing lives. This is important. Okay, before there was ever Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there was a culture already being preached. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read 1 through 9. Now, this is Paul talking. Now, I would, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 9. Now, now I would remind you, brothers, of what? The gospel I preached to you, which you've received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. See, now, now, now let's, let's, let, let's hold on right quick. Paul is saying, listen, I want to remind you. You can't remind somebody unless it's already been said. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, in order for me to remind you, I'm repeating what has already occurred. Amen. And so now Paul says, okay, so let me remind you about what? The gospel. The, but which gospel? It's the gospel I preach. Okay, amen. Amen. And then he said, I preach this here. You received it. You stand on it. And it's exactly what's saving you. I wish I had somebody right there. Amen. Okay, so let's continue reading. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance of what also I received. Watch it. He's fit to define the gospel right here. That Christ died. Whew, Lord have mercy. For our sins in accordance with scriptures. Okay, now all 10 weeks I've been saying that Christ died, that's death, burial, and resurrection, but I always keep saying, comma, according to scriptures. I've stopped there on purpose because Paul is about to say more than just that. He says that he, he died in accordance with scriptures, verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to what? Scriptures, and that he appeared. To Cephas, then the twelve, then appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, to the apostles. And, okay, let's stop right there. So he's saying, 
Paul is saying, listen, this gospel, I've preached to you. Before there was ever Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I've preached it. And you stood on it. And this gospel clearly has saving power because you're saved. And then he says, what is this gospel? Well, it is the death of Jesus the King according to what was already written thousands and hundreds of years ago. But not just that. But that he was buried according to the way that God said he would be. Amen. And we will prove that later on in the scriptures. And then he says, then he was raised according to the way God said he would be. And then he goes on to say, then he shows himself alive to the people who would carry this gospel. Okay, so Paul said a whole lot right here. But then watch. Then he says, okay, so Paul says, before we move on, all this here is according to scriptures. All this here happens before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of this, Jesus died for it and then showed himself alive to people who believed in him and the people who he loved. Does that make sense? Amen. But watch what Paul says now. And so here at verse 7, then he says, no, no, excuse me, verse 8. Last of all, mm, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Interesting. Why would Paul say that? For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. And just for fun, let me just read the next four or five words. But by the grace of God, Lord, have mercy. I'm having too much fun up here. I am what I am. Lord have mercy. Okay, we can stop right there because that, that's going to make me preach it. Out there. Amen. <laughs> Here's the deal. Paul says, according to scriptures, all these things have happened and Jesus Christ showed himself to, to, to whom he loved. But as like an untimely birth, like, like a child you didn't want, he loved me too. Lord have mercy. He, he, he didn't just show himself happy and lovingly and forgiving and gracefully to the people he loved. Then he came to me, a sinner who was not in the beginning, who was not on his side, and who killed the very thing he was trying to build. Hmm, so what is this gospel? Interesting. This gospel was already being preached and it was because of what the king did according to scriptures. Of course, those scriptures was according to God's plan. Amen. And, but not a plan in the New Testament. So you don't say, well, we're a New Testament church. You, you're missing everything. You can't be a New Testament church and forsake the Old Testament because everything according to scriptures happened in the old. And so your grace came from the old. Before you ever responded, before you were ever worthy, what God had already did, you now benefit from. Amen. Even when you were persecuting him, even when you were outside the ark of safety, even when you were not worthy, even when you were, as Paul says, the least of these apostles. And then he says, unworthy to be called an apostle, you still benefit from the Old Testament promises and grace that the Lord already set forth on your behalf. 
Now that's proper theology. And so now, going back to Luke, you need to understand that there was already a gospel being preached. It was already there. People and communities were already saying that this Messiah was Jesus Christ. We met him. We saw him. He didn't kill us. He died for us. This, this Messiah, who had everything, gave up everything, according to scriptures. He, he was king all by himself. He designed the world all by himself, had the power to own everything all by himself, but lived poor all by himself. And this, this, this king came for us and he died according to what we've been reading about since the beginning of time. And that now becomes a big piece of the gospel. Merging, connecting both sides of the same coin. That what God had already done and promised is now currently being and is fulfilled. Being is a participle. It is happening right now with no end in sight until the eschaton or, or the, the second coming, the perusia. But at the same time, it's being preached. And Paul says it's, it, it has saving power. <laughs> you got saved. Okay, so let's go back to Luke real quick. Remember, Paul says, I am preaching this grace. I mean, I'm preaching this gospel and you stand on it and it saves. So Luke says, in as much have undertaken, compile the narrative that all these things have been accomplished. So you can't accomplish something. You don't accomplish defeat. Amen. So we've accomplished a victory among who? Among us. Okay. So here we, here we have this hint of this gospel saving again. Amen. Saving who? Us. Just as who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers to have delivered them to us, it seemed to me also to give you these things closely from sometimes past. Last verse that you may certainly, I skipped the verse, but the last verse, have certainly concerned the things that you have been taught. So, what's the message of the New Testament if it only consisted of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Here's what you need to understand, and here's where we end. You need to understand that whatever this message is, and we clearly have it, we have a good accurate like this is the this is one of the hearts of it uh which i'll I'll explain even more in a little bit and in a couple of weeks to come whatever this gospel is it has saving power it already was it already is and is currently at work right now and it's not just at work with the people we love it's also work at work with the least of these those who are unworthy to be called an apostle. So before there was ever a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel, the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as a metaphor now, was already being preached in different communities. Paul was already preaching it. Before, Paul didn't make up the gospel. Like I need you to understand. He was one of the first to preach it. But Paul did not make up the gospel because before Paul ever preached it, If you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter's preaching the same gospel. Before Paul was ever converted, Peter's also preaching the gospel. And what does Peter do? Peter says, don't you remember in Job when the Lord says, 
that my spirit would be poured out on all brothers and sisters. Okay, so here we have it to where both Paul and Peter, which become the main characters of the book of Acts, both Paul and, save the Holy Spirit, besides the Holy Spirit, both Paul and Peter both credit the gospel to the king according to scripture. Both of them. Every time they were asked a question, they said it saves because the king and it was already written. So if Jesus Christ, before he, for we knew him as Jesus Christ, if God said, Abraham, I'm going to save you, make you a great nation, save your nation, but I'm going to make sure all nations are saved through your nation. We cannot abandon that, leave it out, forsake it, downplay it, diminish it, take from its value, because what God had already done, we benefit from it today, both now and in the end. So I I, I would love to challenge you by simply saying, respect, no, 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 revere. How much God loved you by this wonderful plan he put forth. And he put it forth so good that it was going to be fulfilled. Whether you got it right or not, because Jesus Christ got it right. And he saved you in accordance to scriptures, not because... He, it was by accident because he already planned to give you grace. Let me pray. God, we thank you that we understand now that all these things are possible through your narrative, through your saving power. Look at what you've done for us. Look at how amazing you are. In the mighty name of When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, Is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job 
finder that's out there. And that's why you need Zip Recruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that Zip Recruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that Zip Recruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out uh, review and rate candidates four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter it is a blessing and no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about, well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B, all spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B, and I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.